Hey, welcome back to the South Stands, a Buckeye football podcast by Ohio State fans for Ohio State fans from the West Coast. I'm your host, Zach Moore. Today is Sunday, November 19th, 2023. And I'm here with a few thoughts on number two Ohio State's 37-3 win over unranked Minnesota in the Buckeyes' season home finale in the Horseshoe last night. The Buckeyes are 11-0 and headed to Ann Arbor next Saturday for what amounts to a winner-take-all matchup with number three Michigan. The winner of that game will face the Iowa Hawkeyes in the Big Ten title game in Indianapolis on December 2nd. I also want to spend a little time talking about Michigan's narrow escape over Maryland yesterday in College Park. Actually, I want to start there. Let's let's start there. The Wolverines barely escaped College Park yesterday with a 31-24 win over Maryland. I thought this was a really good call by Page in our preview pod on Thursday. He thought Michigan might get caught looking ahead to Ohio State and struggle in this game, and I think he may have been right about that. Though one also wonders how much the ongoing investigation into the sign-stealing scandal at Michigan and the absence of Jim Harbaugh on the sidelines might have also factored into yesterday's performance. Offensive coordinator Sharon Moore was elevated to head coach for the second week in a row. And, you know, things look good early for Michigan in this game. They jumped out to a 23-3 second quarter lead in this game. But Maryland would come roaring back to cut the Michigan lead to 29-24 going into the fourth quarter. And the Terps had their opportunities to win this game, they had three fourth-quarter possessions with the chance to take the lead and just could not capitalize. And, you know, we saw the yin and yang of Talia Tungavailoa in this game. On the one hand, Tungavailoa led Maryland on three different touchdown drives to keep the Terps in this game. Then on the other, he had a fumble that was returned for a touchdown. He threw two interceptions, and he committed the cardinal sin of an intentional grounding in his own end zone with 3.38 to play that effectively ended the game. You know, Tungavailoa is going to finish his career with pretty much every meaningful school passing record at Maryland, but his catastrophic mistakes in just about every big game he played during his four seasons with the Terps are also career-defining, and look, they were the difference against Michigan yesterday. I thought the Michigan offense did not look great yesterday. They struggled mightily against the Terps, and J.J. McCarthy in particular really struggled. He finished 12 of 23 for 141 yards and a terrible interception in the end zone at the end of the first half. He threw two other passes that should have been intercepted in the first half. And I think it was midway through the fourth quarter, McCarthy missed a wide-open Cornelius Johnson on a go-route that should have gone for an easy touchdown and probably would have ended the game at that point. McCarthy was 0 of 6 on pass attempts longer than 15 yards in in this game. Uh, Now, no doubt the absence of Roman Wilson did not help matters for McCarthy. Wilson had to lead the game in the first quarter after taking a big hit on his only catch of the game. And with no real threat from the Michigan passing game, You know, the Maryland defense was able to load the box against the Michigan run game, and they held the Wolverines to 150 yards on 45 carries. That's only 3.3 yards per carry. Only 291 yards of total offense for Michigan in this game. It's the second week in a row. Their offense has been held under 300 yards. Blake Corum finished with 94 yards on 28 carries. You know, only 3.4 yards per carry. It was, I guess you could call it a workmanlike performance. Definitely not flashy, not explosive, not all that impressive. Uh, Michigan's only points in the fourth quarter of this game were the two that were awarded to them on the Tunga Vailoa intentional grounding from his own end zone. 
Now, look, I want to be careful here because we remember how poorly the Michigan offense played last year against Illinois the week before Ohio State, which, as I've said many times on this podcast, fooled everyone, including Jim Knowles, into thinking that the their offense had no chance against the Buckeyes, and we remember how that turned out. But, man, I've watched every down of Michigan's last two games, and I'm sorry, I do not see a championship-caliber offense. I do not see explosiveness. I'm mean, Even with Roman Wilson, I do not see any dynamic threats on the outside at receiver. I see a quarterback in J.J. McCarthy who is struggling with his accuracy right now. It's clear the Michigan coaching staff does not trust him. McCarthy only attempted one pass after the six-minute mark of the second quarter last week against Penn State. And yesterday, Michigan ran 68 offensive plays against Maryland, and they only allowed McCarthy to throw it 23 times. I also see a Michigan running attack that is several notches below where it was a year ago. I mean, after finishing the 2022 season fifth nationally in rushing offense at 239 yards per game and third in yards per attempt at 5.58, Michigan is only 50th nationally in rushing offense this season, averaging 171 yards per game. That's down 68 yards from last year. And they're only averaging 4.4 yards per attempt this season, which is 54th nationally. That's a full yard below their per carry average from last season. A full yard. That is not insignificant. And on defense, as good as Michigan has been, and I believe they are legitimately good, I think it's fair to say that Maryland was the first competent passing attack the Wolverines faced all season. And I thought the Terps had a lot of success throwing the ball Yesterday, Tonga Bailoa finished 21 of 31 for 247 yards. That's eight yards per attempt. And if you look at how Michigan fared against the run last week against Penn State, you know, they never really stopped the Penn State run game. Catron Allen averaged six yards per attempt in that game. For some reason, and this is probably why Mike Yursage is now out of a job, Allen only got 12 carries in that game. He was criminally underutilized. Michigan never had to prove that they could stop him. And I'm looking at a Buckeye offense right now that brings a passing attack with playmakers on the outside that are suffice to say well beyond anything Michigan has faced this season into this game against the Wolverines next week. They're also bringing a running back in Trey Henderson that, I don't, let me put it this way, if Catron Allen is going for six yards a pop against the Michigan defense, I tend to think Henderson will have similar success at least. I, you know, I like Ohio State's chances offensively against the Michigan defense in this game from what I've seen out of the Wolverines in these last two games. So I'm going to have a lot more to say about Michigan in our preview pod later this week. But I, look, I couldn't help myself. I had to spend a few minutes on the Wolverines today. It is, after all, officially Michigan week. Okay, I have a few items from the Minnesota performance yesterday I want to talk about. Again, the Buckeyes win at 37-3. Now, I'm going to assume you watched and you know what happened, so I'm not, I'm not going to do a full recap for you here. I'm going to start with Trevion Henderson. 15 carries, 146 yards, two touchdowns. That included a 75-yarder on the first play from scrimmage in the third quarter. Henderson finishes the night with a staggering 9.7 yards per attempt. He is running as well as any back in the country right now. I think he's the most explosive running back in the country. You know, after a productive freshman season and an injury-riddled 2022 season, Henderson is healthy, and he's finally found his ceiling. 
Over his last five games, Henderson has 603 yards rushing with six rushing touchdowns. His 6.73 yards per carry average leads the Big Ten. And I said it last week, when he's running like this, he changes the calculus for the Ohio State offense. I also think what's changed about Henderson, and this is one of the big criticisms of his game, is his vision or lack thereof. I mean, he hasn't always been able to find the running lanes during his career at Ohio State. That no longer appears to be the case. I don't know what's changed, but he seems to be finding the holes more consistently now than ever before. And now that he's completely healthy, he has the burst to get through them and make things happen at the second level. I also like what Henderson has been doing down to down. He's just been better at taking what's there and squeezing every yard out of every carry. His reemergence allows the Buckeyes to play complementary football on offense, which is huge at this time of the year. And I think he forces opposing defensive coordinators to have to pick their poison. If you want to bring your safeties up to try to take Henderson away in the run game, well, then you better hope your corners can hold up in one-on-one coverage against Marvin Harrison Jr. and Emeka Buka. I also said in our preview pod that I wanted to see the coaching staff be more intentional about getting Emeka Buka involved against Minnesota. Mission accomplished. Five receptions on eight targets for 83 yards receiving for Igbuka. Uh, Igbuka got at least one carry on a jet sweep that I remember, and that went for a first down, though I don't see that in the box score for some reason. I've been saying it for the last couple of weeks. Igbuka is the last piece that needs to fall into place for this offense coming off that ankle injury. When healthy, he is the best slot receiver in the country. And if Ohio State wants to reach their goals this season, Igbuka has to play a big role in this offense. It was great to see him doing his thing last night. It was far and away the best he has looked since coming back from that ankle injury. I thought it was a solid night for Kyle McCord, though he wasn't as sharp as he was against Michigan State. 20 of 30 for 212 yards, two touchdown passes and about three quarters of work. McCord threw a one-yard touchdown pass to Cade Stover with 13.43 to play, and then his night was done. There was a little red zone wonkiness in the first half for the Ohio State offense that you could see really frustrated Ryan Day. For example, Ohio State had a first and goal from the Minnesota six-yard line with 9.15 to play in the second quarter and couldn't punch it in. They had to settle for a 26-yard field goal from Jaden Fielding to make it 13-0. McCord missed a couple of throws in the red zone on that series, one to Cade Stover and then another to Emeka Buka that had Ryan Day barking at him when McCord went to the sidelines. It's been a few weeks since we've seen that kind of red zone wonkiness and obviously not the best time for something like that to resurface with Michigan looming. You know, at the same time, I don't want to say it's a trend either, but look, you've got the Michigan defense very stingy in the red zone. They've only allowed six red zone touchdowns this season, which leads the country. So hopefully we just chalk that up to maybe Ohio State not being quite as focused as they could be with an overmatched opponent uh, in Minnesota. But maybe a little something to keep your eye on as the Buckeyes head toward this big matchup with Michigan. They need to be efficient in the red zone and convert those red zone opportunities to touchdowns uh, You know, every time they get down there. I thought the first half was a bit of a slow-moving slog. And I thought they did a good job flipping the field on the Buckeyes in special teams. Minnesota punter Mark Crawford pinned Ohio State inside their own 13-yard line on four straight first-half punts. And and that, uh, you know, that kind of slowed the Ohio State offense down just a little bit. Now, Ohio State 
narrowly averted a total disaster right before the half when Kyle McCord was sacked and he was folded back on his injured ankle. Uh, this was on the final play of the second quarter. McCord took the sack at his own 12-yard line. He was very lucky to hold onto the ball, and he came up limping after the play. You know, calling a pass play there was probably the worst decision Ryan Day has made all season. It was it was reminiscent of some of the head scratchers Day has made earlier in his career. So the Buckeyes were very lucky in that situa- situation, only up 13 nothing to get not to give up a cheap score there, and and also not to lose their starting quarterback to an injury before the Michigan game. But the Buckeyes finished the night with 434 yards of offense, 219 through the air, 215 on the ground. Very balanced. Again, they pulled their starting offense after three quarters. Could have been a lot worse if they wanted to, to make it worse on the Minnesota defense. All the key starters on the bench by the start of the fourth quarter. You win. You cover. You get a key cog in Emeka Ibuka some touches to help him get his rhythm back. Mission accomplished. And now all the focus can be on Michigan for the Buckeyes. Now looking over at the defense, uh, it was a huge night for defensive end Jack Sawyer. Three and a half tackles for loss and a strip sack on Ethan Kaliak-Manis early in the third quarter. And this was after Trevion Henderson had just scored on a 75-yard touchdown run on the first play of the third quarter. On the very next play from scrimmage, Sawyer strips Kaliak-Manis. The ball is scooped up by JT Tui-Molowau and returned to the Minnesota six-yard line. Three plays later, Kyle McCord hits Marvin Harrison Jr. for a four-yard touchdown pass. The Buckeyes score two touchdowns in the first 55 seconds of the third quarter to turn the lights out on Minnesota, and Jack Sawyer was right in the middle of that flurry. You know, after a lost 2022 season on a failed experiment at the Jack position, Sawyer was moved back to his natural position at defensive end for this season. Now, it took him a while to get comfortable in that role, but the light has appeared to have gone on for Jack Sawyer, probably around late October. He's starting to reach his ceiling, which is very exciting for this defense. If you look at his PFF grades, there's a noticeable spike in Sawyer's grades since Wisconsin. Against the Badgers, Sawyer finished with an overall grade of 81.5. Against Rutgers, it was 80.4. Last week against Michigan State, it was 75.2. And then last night against Minnesota, Sawyer finished with a team-high grade of 91.4. Sawyer was Ohio State's leading tackler last night. He also led the defense in quarterback pressures with five. He was also very good against the run, as he has been all year, finishing with a rush defense grade of 76.8. Through 11 games, Jack Sawyer is Ohio State's highest graded defender with a grade of 88.9. Jim Knowles has to be absolutely thrilled with what he is seeing from Jack Sawyer over the last month. It was another big night for slot corner Jordan Hancock. Here's another player whose development over the last six weeks has to be thrilling for Jim Knowles. Hancock finished as Ohio State's second highest graded defender according to PFF with a grade of 82. And he finished with the defense's highest grade for coverage of 87.5. Hancock came up with his second interception of the season in the third quarter, picking off Ethan Kalikmanis and returning the ball 40 yards to the Minnesota 14-yard line. Hancock has been a revelation this season. He is playing basically the same role for this defense that Sean Wade played so well for the Buckeyes back in 2019, but I think he's doing it even better. And, you know, hey, look, are we so sure that Jordan Hancock uh, isn't Ohio State's best corner? 
I mean, don't get me wrong. Denzel Burke has been great. And if teams aren't even throwing your way, I mean, you know, I, I, that, that, that's, that makes a great case for Burke as being the Ohio State's top corner. That says a lot, obviously. But Hancock is at the very least a close second as Ohio State's top corner. I also love how Hancock is a very willing tackler against the run. We've seen him come off the edge and cut down ball carriers in the backfield. So you have to absolutely love what you're seeing out of Jordan Hancock. He was big for the Buckeyes again last night. Finally, with Tommy Eichenberg sitting out last night, I thought Cody Simon was a presence and played well. Simon finished with his best overall PFF grade of the season with a grade of 78.9. His grade of 78 against the run was the highest of the starting defense, and he finished with an excellent grade for tackling of 77.4. By the way, it was a great night of tackling for the Buckeye defense. Only two missed tackles all night. That was a season low for the Silver Bullets. Now, Ryan Day said in the postgame that Tommy Eichenberg wanted to play and could have played, but he was held out as a precaution to have him ready for Michigan. I think Day said it was a fist fight with Eichenberg to convince him that sitting out last night was the best thing for him. And he was right. You know, the Buckeyes would not need Eichenberg in this game. They hold Minnesota to only 159 yards of total offense with seven tackles for loss, two quarterback sacks, and two turnovers. So as we look to next Saturday's colossal number two versus number three winner-take-all matchup, probably the most anticipated Ohio State-Michigan game since 2006, the Buckeyes, since Trey Henderson's return and now with Emeka Buka starting to look like himself again, are looking more and more like a complete football team. They're playing complementary football on offense. The defense has been smothering. We're starting to see players like Jack Sawyer, Jordan Hancock, Sonny Styles, and now Cody Simon emerge as major contributors. We've, we've seen a crescendo since the Penn State game with this team as it moves towards its peak. Now, I might end up eating these words, but this team seems to be in a much, much better place than it was a year ago at this time. And I can't imagine feeling any better about Ohio State's chances next week against Michigan as I do right now. Okay, that's going to do it for me. Look for a preview of the Michigan game, I'm guessing probably Tuesday or Wednesday since Thursday's Thanksgiving. Until then, thanks so much for listening, and go Bucks. been listening to the south stands a buckeye football podcast you can follow us on twitter instagram and facebook and visit our website at southstandsosu.com